Well, hey, church, I hope you've been out enjoying the sunshine this week. And it was great to be able to do that as a church family together last Sunday afternoon back on site. And, and I'm so excited about all the opportunities that we have ahead of us this summer to be a family together. You know, but right now it's great that we get to open God's word and continue our series of fuel, looking at the pioneering journey of the early church, fueled by the Holy Spirit uh, and on the move. And, and I pretty much want us to read the whole of Acts 16, uh, a whole big chunk. So uh, we're going to jump straight in. So uh, picking it up, Acts 16, verse 1, uh, we read that Paul, uh, who, by the way, now is on his second missionary journey, he's planting churches all over Asia Minor and Greece. Uh, he's been really busy. Uh, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, and whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, and so Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was Greek, and they travelled from town to town. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the church was strengthened in faith and grew daily in number. Uh, and then we keep going through the chapter. Uh, Paul and his gang keep on moving around. Uh, and in verse 12, uh, we read, Then we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city in that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to a river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. One of them listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, uh, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Then her owners realised that their hopes of making money was gone and they seized Paul and Cyrus and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and they said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city in an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And then suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up 
And when he saw the prison door open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights and he rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jail with the order, release those men. And the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered you and Silas to be released. So now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, well, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens and they threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly. No, let them come themselves and escort us. So the officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed, and they came to appease them and escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Jesus, thank you for your word and thank you for your church. And as we spend these moments together in your presence, would you, would you mould us, would you shape us here in East London to be the people that you've created and designed us to be? Amen. Amen. Hey, I love these stories in Acts. You know, this is the pioneering story of the church. You know, and this is our history. And here in chapter 16, we've got Timothy being called by Paul to join him and Silas and the others on their church planting mission. And, and then the conversion of Lydia and her household. And then the Roman jailer and his household in Philippi. Yeah, and I want to look quickly at all three of these stories and how they might challenge us today and encourage us that the Holy Spirit fuels us to invite. Yeah, today we're looking at fuel to invite. You know, often when we talk about invitation at church, we're, we're talking about evangelism of some sort. You know, we're probably talking about something like Alpha, you know, about inviting friends and neighbours and colleagues to somewhere they can explore faith and meaning. You know, or to a Christmas concert or, or a fun event where they might get exposed to the wonderful message of Jesus. Yeah, but I want to think a little bit deeper today about a more personal sort of invitation. You know, rather than just inviting others to something that someone is putting on. You know, today I want to remind us that the Holy Spirit desires and enables all of us to invite others to be family. To come into our homes, into our lives. To intentionally open ourselves and journey with others. 
And there's two important contexts for us here. You know, and the first actually is that this is evangelism at its most effective. You know, all the data tells us that people come to know Jesus more often when they see him in someone they know, as opposed to just hearing about him from someone else. You know, if we want people to come to know Jesus, then we need to allow them close enough for them to see him in us. And, and second, we need to remind ourselves that God's vision for family has always been so much bigger than mum, dad, and two happy, healthy kids. You know, the truth is, for the majority of us, you know, for a great many of reasons, you know, we don't even live like that. You know, many of us navigate singleness. You know, some of us face the challenge of divorce or bereavement or ill health of a partner, infertility, you know, big questions about sexuality, you know, a ton of different cultural and economic challenges that keep pushing the Western nuclear family dream uh, out of reach. Yeah, but that's not the end of it. You know, and I want to encourage us today that the Holy Spirit is here to fuel us for more to fuel us for, for family life that is inclusive and inviting. You know, not just because it's attractive, but because you literally get invited in. Yeah, and this is what the pioneering early church was built on. Yeah, diverse groups of people who, regardless of their situation or, or status, did life together became family together, loving and caring and spurring one another on. You know, there's so much that we could say on this today, but I want to focus on this idea of invitation that we see here in, in Acts 16. You know, and it starts with a big moment. You know, Timothy gets invited in. Yeah, and of course, this is the beginning of a relationship between Paul and Timothy that, that even 2,000 years later still stands as a template for discipleship and mentoring today. Yeah, and this goes way beyond classroom sessions or sermons. You know, later in, in Paul's letter to Timothy, his first letter to Timothy, he addresses him as my true son in the faith. This is family. And in his second letter to Timothy, Paul points out, uh, you know what I teach. You know how I live, what my purpose in life is. You know my faith and my patience, my love and my endurance. You know, more than a teacher or a mentor, Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. He invited him into his life, his day-to-day. -day. You know, Paul allowed himself to be seen and known by Timothy. And as a result, Timothy was able to learn and grow and become one of the great leaders in the early church himself. You know, one of Paul's famous lines was, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You know, and for Timothy, this all began here in Acts because of an invitation 
from Paul to join him on his journey. And it's worth pointing out that actually this was a big leap for Paul. You know, Paul had grown up as a, as a proud, pure-blooded Jew, highly trained and educated, separatist and, and zealous in his faith and in his nationalism. You know, but here he is inviting Timothy, a young guy with, uh, with mixed racial heritage, uncircumcised and unschooled. But Paul invites him in. Come, journey with me. I wonder, who are you inviting to journey with you? Who are you allowing to see you, to get close enough to see Jesus in you? Yeah, the big question today, who are you inviting? Yeah, Paul was basically travelling no fixed home, he was a single man, but he was a spiritual father. You know, whether it was Silas or Luke or Timothy or Lydia, you know, or any of the others, Paul, fueled by the Holy Spirit, invited them in. He opened himself up and he extended his sense of family. He gave something of himself away. Now, today... We need more spiritual fathers and mothers. People who are prepared to reach out and and offer family. To invite and to care for and to teach and to model what it is to follow Jesus. And in order to do this, you don't need a house or a spouse. You know, Paul shows us that. You just need to be fueled by the Holy Spirit, fueled to invite others into your journey, into your life, that they might get close enough to see Jesus in you, that they might imitate you just as you also imitate Christ. Yeah, and this is my story. You know, I know that, that I am where I am today. I'm following Jesus today Because there were particular people who opened their homes and their families and their lives and they invited me in and allowed me to see Jesus in them. So, who are you inviting? Now you might be thinking, hang on, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not sure I want to invite people that close. You know, maybe they won't see Jesus in me. Maybe they'll just see all the other rubbish that I'm still working on. You know, I'm not Paul. I'm not the guy who wrote half the New Testament. Yeah, maybe that's a fair point. You know, but Paul still had baggage, thorns in his flesh. You know, he used to fight like crazy with the other disciples, you know, with Peter and Barnabas and, and Mark. You know, Paul had issues. You know, he lamented over them in his letter to the Romans. You know, he famously said, I do not understand what I do. For what I do, I do not want to do. But what I hate, I do. You know, Paul gets it. But he also knew that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
You know, and truthfully, you know, as the old analogy goes, it's just like the cracks in a leaky pot. You know, so often through our cracks and through our wounds, through uh, the parts of us that need healing, through our flaws, that Jesus flows out to others. You know, if only we'll allow them, invite them to get close enough to see. You know, I was struck uh, when I read Acts 16 again. Uh, and I think this is why it's important that we actually read chunks of scripture at a time, you know, and not just hand pick out isolated verses or, or, or paragraphs. You know, but once Paul sets the scene of invitation with Timothy, that theme then echoes throughout the stories that follow. Yeah, and and it, it shows us that actually this fuel to invite isn't just for the Pauls. You know, for the great apostles, for those who've been doing ministry for years. You know, this sense of invitation is the first response that we see as people receive Jesus for the first time. You know, in verse uh, 14, uh, we meet Lydia, uh, a Jew, a businesswoman. You know, we think she's probably single, probably wealthy, the head of her household. You know, I think this is like first century girl power. You know, she listens to the good news about Jesus. And she first opens her heart and then she opens her home. Verse 15. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. Come and stay at my house. And I love this bit. It then says, and she persuaded us. You know, the first thing that Lydia does when she receives Jesus is to invite people in, into her home, to join her in her household. You know, and it's not just one of those kind of empty uh, invites, you know, oh, oh yeah, you, oh, you must come around sometime. Yeah, no, she persuades Paul and the others. And actually, by the end of the chapter, we see that Lydia's home has become a place of encouragement for many. You know, Lydia, single and a brand new Christian, she invites people into her household, into her life. And the result is encouragement and growth. You know, and then there's the jailer, you know, completely different person, completely different situation but the same response. And okay, right, it's a mad story. You know, Paul and Silas, they're in prison for healing this girl who was possessed. Uh, and in the middle of the night, uh, in the middle of their cell, they're singing out hymns and they're worshipping. Uh, and then there's an earthquake and the doors fling open and their chains fall off. And, but instead of running away, they stick around and they lead the Roman jailer to faith in Jesus. And again, just like Lydia, he and his whole household are baptised. And then again we read that the jailer brought them into his house. Yeah, the first thing he does is to invite others in, to clean their wounds, to feed them. And we read that all of them were filled with the joy of the Lord. It's a simple pattern. People meet Jesus and in response they begin to invite 
others into their households. Yeah, and it's from these small, diverse beginnings. You know, a single Jewish businesswoman, uh, a rescued slave, uh, and a Roman jailer, and their various households. It's from these diverse beginnings that the church in Philippi begins to grow. You know, and, uh, judging from his letter to the Philippians, you know, it was one of Paul's most loved congregations. You know, a place where people opened their homes, invited others into their households, into their lives. They were an extended family full of spiritual fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters where people were healed and fed and encouraged and filled with the joy of the Lord. Yeah, and this is the kind of church that we are still being called to be today. So again, the question is, who are you inviting? You know, whether you're single or married, uh, with or without kids, with or without a house, you know, maybe you're just passing through, journeying, like Paul. The Holy Spirit wants to fuel you to invite others into your family, to journey with you, to see Jesus in you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we get to do this together, to be a family together. And that's something that we're all invited into. You know, whether we've been following you for 50 years or 50 minutes, Holy Spirit, would you fuel us to invite others in? To open our lives, to, to open our homes, our families. May we journey well together. Amen.